Hello, I'm Angus Scott, and welcome once again to The Debrief. It's great to have you with us. It's a properly international show for you today, as I think everyone taking part is in a different country. So firstly, good luck to our technology. Well, every week we discuss the major football stories that are dominating your conversations, and we get all the latest transfer news. Every week we have the transfer guru Fabrizio Romano with us to give us his spin on the market. He'll be with us very shortly. And today's topic brings those two themes of talking points and transfers together as we discuss, has Kylian Mbappe played his last game for PSG? What is the latest? As ever, journalist Ben Jacobs, himself a transfer expert, is with me. Although today, Ben, you're in the States as you're travelling with Chelsea's pre-season tour of the US. Yeah, good morning from Philly. If you see me whilst Jonathan or you are speaking, eating a Philly cheesesteak, then that is my breakfast. Healthy as ever. Well, very close to the Mbappe story is Jonathan Johnson, a journalist based in Paris who's closely following the standoff between PSG and Mbappe. Thanks for coming on the debrief, John. Hi there, guys. Well, delighted to, to be able to accept the invitation. So thanks for having me and uh, yeah, looking forward to, to chewing it all over with you. Well, it's a very interesting day that you do join us. Um, let's go to Ben. First, are you waking up in Philly? Your phone has probably been ringing the whole time. What on earth is the latest with the Mbappe scenario? Well, the latest is that Al Hilal from Saudi Arabia had placed a formal offer of 300 million euros to sign Mbappe on a one year deal with a salary close to yours, Angus, of 700 million euros. <laughs> While there is an opportunity to extend. Everybody is under the assumption, including Al Hilal, that Mbappe wants to join Real Madrid in the summer of 2024. But should Mbappe enjoy his time in Saudi Arabia, if he agrees to this deal, there would be the opportunity to extend the contract further. But it's a formal offer for one year to begin with. It's a world record fee of 300 million euros. And Mbappe, who hasn't spoken yet to the Saudi deal makers, has been given permission to talk now at the time we're recording this by PSG. So I'm sure when people are listening to this, we'll get the one missing component, which is something from the Mbappe side. But at the moment, it's Al Hilal and PSG. The offer's been tabled. We're not yet in a position to say, in inverted commas, it's been accepted. It's hard to say that it won't be, but obviously deals are not just about number, but structure and payment terms as well. So there would be more club-to-club talks required, at least at the time that we're recording this. But the offer is there. The permission to speak is there. And at the same time, sources close to PSG have indicated that there are other clubs who at least have expressed some form of interest. And they include Manchester United, Inter Milan, and even some say Barcelona. You'll hear Chelsea linked as well, but those close to the Chelsea side downplay any suggestions that they're going to move for Kylian Mbappe. But we're seeing a volume of interest. And that volume of interest is an indication that there will be options for Kylian Mbappe this summer and PSG want to cash in because they don't believe he'll extend and they feel betrayed in many ways because Mbappe in their eyes had always indicated that he would extend or at least not leave on a free transfer. And now PSG believe that he's pre-agreed a deal with Real Madrid for next summer and this is why they're acting so aggressively to sell him now, because they don't want any circumstance where they lose the player on a free. So from PSG's perspective, Jonathan, they're just desperate to get some money back 
for the outlay they paid four years ago. Yeah, I mean, the situation for PSG is quite clear. They don't believe that Kylian Mbappe, uh, you know, wants to extend his contract with the club. Uh, they have left that door open to him, but uh, at this moment in time, there's no real hope on PSG's side that he will extend. He's already indicated ahead of the, the set deadline uh, that he doesn't wish to opt in for the final uh, edition of year uh, in option uh, on his contract, which is why his current deal that expires in 2024 uh and which is also why you know real madrid are targeting him they can, you know they, they can see him in the distance there waving you know available on a free transfer in the summer of 2024 so that they could offer a lucrative signing on fee so the situation as far as psg goes now is something of damage limitation in terms of uh you know getting something in return financially they came you know within inches uh you know closer even you know, of losing him for nothing last summer. Uh, you know, that very dramatic uh, end of the season where Mbappe, in about the space of 24 hours, went from being knocking on the door of Santiago Bernabeu to uh, extending his contract with PSG. Uh, you know, they signed themselves up to a deal which really placed a lot of power in Kylian Mbappe's hands. He's used that power. PSG feel that he's used that power against uh, the, the club. So now the the real priority for PSG right now is to recoup as much as they can financially. Obviously, I don't think that they, you know, were dreaming of a potential offer uh, of the size of the one that has arrived from Al Hilal. Whether or not PSG will ultimately be able to to cash in on that, a lot will still depend on Kylian Mbappe and his, uh, you know, future plans. The the possibility of still trying to join Real Madrid in 2024 so that that agreement which PSG suspect has been in place for some time uh, is still valid should he join uh, Al Hilal and take up that lucrative uh, offer uh, you know over the course of the next season so this offer from Al Hilal solves some things potentially on Mbappe's end because it does give him a potential out to avoid a very awkward final season with PSG where the player probably doesn't play much if at all uh, and you know offers PSG the possibility to potentially uh, you know, cash in and actually, you know, get some return on, on the investment that they feel they've put into uh, Mbappe very generously uh, over the years since he joined from Monaco uh, in 2017. Uh, you know, there is also the, you know, the question of sort of how the PSG build for the future. You know, we know that they've now got new head coach in charge, Luis Enrique. He's taken the squad uh, minus Kylian Mbappe and a few other undesirable PSG players to Asia, where they're going to be touring in Japan and South Korea uh, over the next week or so. Uh, and, you know, Mbappe at the moment is kicking his heels in Paris with those other uh, undesired players, as I mentioned, the likes of Andrea Paredes, uh, Virginia Wijnaldum, there, Julian Drexler as well. So, uh, you know, Mbappe is very much sort of with one foot out the door at PSG uh, at this moment in time. Now, the other interesting possibility, and I'm sure that, you know, PSG are really keeping a very close eye on this is the fact that Al Hilal now coming in and putting this offer in this formal offer, um, PSG granting him back permission to at least discuss it, that suddenly puts a bit of pressure on Real Madrid. Real Madrid will be looking at this, thinking, well, Al Hilal can, you know, table this kind of offer. Then a club European-based with significant financial backing behind them, possibly a club from the Premier League, could come in and do similar. And although it wouldn't be on the same financial scale as the offer from Al it would probably be more convincing for him from a sporting standpoint. So suddenly that agreement that PSG uh, suspect is in place for 2024 between Real Madrid and Mbappe, uh, you know, that could have a serious competition from a club that puts a long-term project 
at an enticing offer, both financially and in sporting terms, in front of him and suddenly turns his head unexpectedly. So I think right now the priority for PSG is to try to start the Luis Enrique era um, on as strong a footing as possible, hence why Mbappe has been completely sidelined for this moment in time, uh, and to try and have uh, you know some sort of resolution on its way, at least by the time the season kicks off uh, in mid-August. So at this moment in time, you know, certainly you're very far away from there being a potential done deal. But this, I would say, is, you know, probably the best case scenario for PSG at this moment in time to have an offer of that size financially uh, in front of them. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Jonathan. And what I would say is that this saga started with Kylian Mbappe having all of the power. He's contracted to PSG until 2024 he chose not to extend by a further year he chose not to sit down and talk about a new deal and as a consequence he's perfectly entitled as a PSG footballer to say I want to give it my all which is what Mbappe said I want to stay in Paris and then obviously as a free transfer he can go and join Real Madrid the advantage to Mbappe of doing it that way is that he can get a big side-on fee because there is no transfer fee and PSG firmly believe that there is 160 million Euros or something in that ballpark that's almost been agreed between Real Madrid and Kylian Mbappe, which is why ultimately Real may be quite calm about the situation. But now, Jonathan, I think what's changed is that PSG are showing they're not going to engage with Mbappe. They're not going to allow any kind of player power. They're not going to allow Mbappe to exit on his terms. So, do you think, therefore, the dynamic has shifted a little bit? Because maybe three weeks ago, it was PSG angry and Mbappe doing things on his turf. Whereas now it feels like PSG are actively forcing the player out. And he can still stay until 2024. But if he does stay until 2024, he may find himself shunned. He may find himself on the bench. And that's highly significant because... We're heading into a season that ends with a Euros and an Olympics. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'll, I'll just say right here that I've always said publicly for a long time that the most logical outpoint for Mbappe with PSG uh, and also with his time uh, in, in his homeland of France was always going to be the Olympic Games in 2024. You know, the possibility for him to sign off with a gold medal with Le Bleu, uh, you know, it's almost too good to, to resist. And obviously having two international tournaments in the same summer has led some to speculate that actually sort of sitting out and being sidelined by PSG would only sort of help him further in that quest to potentially sign off, uh, you know, with success with France. You know, potentially, you know, winning a Euro and winning the Olympics in the same summer, that would be... Uh, you know, what PSG do during the season leading up to that would almost be irrelevant. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, for for Mbappe, uh, at, you know, at this moment in time, he, you know, has to look at the, you know, the previous examples of, of PSG taking hardline stances with players. We've seen them, uh, you know, sort of threaten to do that with Neymar in the past. I actually think that the most example of PSG trying to stamp down player power was when they did put Adeline Amir in the reserves uh, in the final few months of his time with the club before he obviously joined Juventus on a free transfer. Okay, Javier, not the same uh, you know, sort of level of stardom as, uh, as Kylian Mbappe or Neymar, but still a very real example of PSG actually having uh, you know, stood by their word um, you know, and not involved the player any further once he indicated that he 
didn't want her to continue with the club and didn't see his future there. So I think, you know, there's been a, a lot of expectation and a lot of pressure on PSG for a long time to take a hardline stance with these star names. But the hope for PSG, certainly when Mbappe's contract was extended last year, was that he would be part of this push to to show this new face of PSG, uh, you know, to to put the institution above the individual. Unfortunately, it's, you know, gone completely the other way. And, and that is now arguably, you know, the most high profile uh, example of individual player power at PSG, uh, you know, sort of running riot. So you can understand why PSG are wanting to, to make such a, a point of, uh, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, they make their position on the Mbappe's future extremely clear uh, and the fact that they treat themselves uh, as a football club extremely seriously because it's something that they've been criticised for not doing, uh, you know, for, for many years now. So, you know, I wouldn't say that it's a completely empty threat, the stuff that the PSG, uh, you know, have been saying. There are examples in the past, but it feels like there's no real way that this saga will be allowed to sort of creep into to this coming season. It feels like there will inevitably uh, be some sort of compromise reached or some sort of solution, uh, you know, to, to the question of Mbappe's future. Because really, it's just a continuation of what has now been sort of, uh, you know, a, a saga that's gone on over the last few summer transfer windows. Well, I know that uh, Nasser Al-Khalifi can be a tough negotiator, having experienced that firsthand. That slightly different f- figures uh, between Kylian Mbappe and, and Angus Scott when we were fighting over contracts. But anyway, we uh, every week we do get the lowdown all all the major transfer dealings around the world from the transfer guru Fabrizio Romano, and clearly Kylian Mbappe has to be the top of the list of any questions uh, we ask him this week. So Fab, what is the latest on Mbappe? The latest, I think, now is very clear that Kylian Mbappe is up for sale. So Paris Saint Germain are trying in every single way to find a solution as soon as possible. Uh, they suggest that this is for the club, of course, but also for the player. They don't want to enter into any complicated situation with the player for the whole season. And so they're trying to find a solution as soon as possible to move on and to find a way for Kylian Mbappé to, to leave the club. At the moment, of course, the biggest line is about this important, huge, historical, I would say, bid from uh, Alilal is a really important one, 300 million euros fee offered to Paris Saint-Germain. This is a formal bid, an official bid. So it's not just verbal conversation. And PSG are obviously prepared to accept that proposal. So they want to find a solution. If it's going to be Saudi or any other club, they just want Kylian Mbappé to leave the club. At the moment, there's been no reaction from the players. There's no reaction from the player side. He was very tight-lipped when he went to training back in in Paris um, yesterday. Is there a suggestion that, that Real Madrid may move now earlier than they might have done previously? This is the expectation of Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain are basically waiting for clubs to come with uh, with proposals and to negotiate. Paris Saint-Germain are not going to put any veto to any club, so they're open to negotiate with all the clubs around Europe and around the world, of course, including Saudi, to make it happen and to sell Kylian Mbappé. So they wait for Real Madrid to make an official bid. But to tell the reality, at the moment, while we are speaking, Real Madrid have not reached out to Paris Saint-Germain, have not submitted any verbal or formal proposal yet. Uh, from Paris Saint-Germain, they are 100% convinced that Kylian Mbappé already has an agreement with Real Madrid for next summer, starting from July 1st, 2024. This is the feeling into the club. The important people into the club are really sure that at the end, Kylian Mbappé wants to join Real Madrid in summer 24. But the mission, after putting him out of the squad for the Japan tour and also uh, after sending this very clear message to the media of Kylian Mbappé 
uh, up for sale, I think it's very clear that they will try to find a solution now. But again, at the moment, from Real Madrid, there is still no official bid and no verbal discussion with Paris Saint-Germain. Fabrizio, is the feeling with the Saudi bid that they're prepared to offer just a one-year contract still allowing Mbappe to go to Real Madrid in 2024? Yeah, 100%. Uh, they are open to any solution. So I think in their approach with Kylian Mbappe, when they will speak to Kylian Mbappe, because I'm told that at the moment they are obviously preparing their proposal to the player, they have the permission to uh, contact the player and, uh, and submit a proposal to Kylian Mbappe, to his mother, to his camp. But at the moment, it's not uh, that negotiation yet. So let's see when is going to happen this kind of conversation, if it's going to happen, if Mbappé wants to negotiate or not. But the idea on Saudi side uh, is absolutely to offer him any solution. So he can stay for one season, he can stay for long-term contract. How he prefers is fine for Saudi clubs. They just want to bring him there because obviously it would be a very important move for the World League and not just for Alilal. So the idea is to tempt him in every single way. If it's a short contract, just one year, and then let him go to Real Madrid next summer, or in case he wants to include any option to extend that contract for two, three or more years. So they are very open. They will have a very open conversation with Mbappé, but they are still waiting to be in contact with Kylian and with his mother, which is a very important point of the story. And of course, PSG are keen to fuel interest. We know about the formal Saudi offer. We know, obviously, Real Madrid are interested. Are there any other clubs we should be keeping an eye on? I think we have to keep an eye on many clubs because obviously when there is a player, a star like Kylian Mbappé on the market, it's, it's obvious for, for clubs to try to understand the conditions of the deal, how much that would cost. So it's absolutely normal to explore this kind of conditions on the market. As of now, I'm told that there are still no official bids from other clubs. Today, there are many reports, but for example, for some of these clubs, it's absolutely impossible to proceed and to sign a player like Kylian Mbappé in terms of transfer fee, in terms of salary, uh, or even to approach the player for those conditions is absolutely impossible. So, for example, I think uh, links with Italian clubs are absolutely uh, impossible to see as something concrete. For Italian clubs, it's impossible 100% to sign Kylian Mbappé. I think for English clubs, it's more on Paris Saint-Germain side trying to find a solution, trying to have a discussion and to encourage them to send an official bid to find even some creative proposal to make it happen, maybe including some players in the discussion with PSG. So let's say that PSG are trying to find a way and to put on the table as many proposals as possible to convince Kylian Mbappé and to find a way as soon as possible. But again, they are convinced that at the end Kylian wants to go to Real. And what's the Neymar situation? Could he be heading out too? I think it is an open situation. We want to watch until the end of the transfer window. At the moment, the situation is still quiet. We had many reports, many rumors uh, at the beginning of the transfer window. It was end of May, beginning of June. But at the moment, there is not a concrete negotiation between PSG or a specific club for, uh, for Neymar. Of course, uh, his camp had some conversations with clubs. But again, it was at the beginning of the transfer window. Now the situation is still quiet, I would say, around Neymar. But I think after this Bappe story for Paris Saint-Germain is going to be the moment to clarify many things, including incomings, because they want to sign some more player, not just one or two. I think it would be a busy second part of the summer for Paris Saint-Germain and then for, uh, for Neymar Jr. to understand if they will receive some concrete proposal. We had rumors about Manchester United, but from what I told, they never had any direct contact with Paris Saint-Germain. This is not something concrete, at least with this ownership. They are not going for Neymar Jr. They're focusing on different things. Let's see if some other English club will approach PSG. But remember that the salary of Neymar Jr. is a huge one. It's something around 40 million euros per season. So it's very complicated for many clubs around Europe to sign Neymar Jr. But I would keep this one open till the end of the transfer window because probably in August this could be different. A couple of other things we need to talk about away from PSG Fabrizio. 
Are Manchester United confident of uh, agreeing a fee for the Danish striker Rasmus Hoyland? Yeah, they want to accelerate this deal. They know that they have to be fast because it's always dangerous when negotiations are uh, slow, like in this case. We had also in this case many reports of official bids, 35 million players included. No, from what I told, May United had some initial conversation with Atalanta through intermediaries a few weeks ago, offering some players as part of the deal, including Fred, uh, who is going to leave Manchester United this summer. Atalanta said no, they want at least 70 million euros for Rasmus Hoylund. May United have an agreement with the player. So the player already said yes to May United. He was a Manchester United fan as a kid. So this is why May United are optimistic. But they also know that his camp, his agency, are speaking, are speaking also to Paris Saint-Germain. And this is why the timing of the negotiation with Atalanta is going to be very important. I expect May United to submit an official bid, probably this week, to start official conversations with Atalanta, to start discussing about numbers. Let me also say that May United will not overpay. So they feel that something in the region of maybe 60, 65 million euros could be uh, a good package to make it happen, but they will not go to pay 90 or 100 million euros as was suggested by Atalanta coach a few days ago. So it has to be the right price for Hoyland to Manchester United. And what's the latest on Harry Kane? It looks like Joe Lewis, the uh, owner of Spurs, has said to Daniel Levy, sell him, let's get the money for him. Therefore, are Bayern still in the box seat to get him? I'm sure that at the end it's going to be Daniel Levy to to decide on this story. Uh, so the the crucial position is the Tottenham chairman Daniel Levy to make a decision on 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 Hurricane. And from what I'm hearing, still no decision has been made. I expect Bayern to be the game for sure. I think it could happen this week or next week. But in any case, Bayern will submit a new proposal for Hurricane after two bids rejected 70 and 80 million euros plus adults. But Bayern will return. Bayern internally are very confident. They feel that the player wants to go there. This is the feeling they have internally at Bayern. It's about people into the board, but also Thomas Tuchel. Thomas Tuchel is a really crucial uh, figure into this story. He's really pushing to have Harry Kane. He sent very clear messages to Harry Kane camp to make them understand how crucial would be Harry Kane for his project at Bayern. So they are working on it and they will be the game. Then it depends on Daniel Levy, uh, because we know how complicated it is to deal with Tottenham, especially when it's about Harry Kane. Man City will know very well about that after what happened two years ago. But Bayern are on it. Bayern will return with a new bid. And so I think the next days will be important to understand what Tottenham will decide to do. And finally, Fabrizio, look, it's Monday, so we must be talking about Moises Caicedo. Uh, any further movement? Still in talks. Uh, I know this is a difficult story to uh, to explain to the fans. I understand Chelsea and Brighton fans to be tired with this story, but it's the reality. Chelsea and Brighton are still speaking. Chelsea and Brighton are still negotiating. This is not new to Brighton fans. They know and they are proud of that. And I think it's absolutely correct uh, that Brighton are always tough in negotiations for their stars. And this is again the case after what happened with Cucurella and with many others in the past. So Brighton want important money for Moises Caicedo. They're not accepting 70 million pounds. They're not accepting 70 plus adults. They want way more than this. I think Chelsea can go up with a new proposal in the next stage because the negotiation is still ongoing. It's a club-to-club negotiation, a direct negotiation. So I think very soon Chelsea will attack the situation again. In the next days, they will try to reach an agreement. Let me clarify once again that the player wants to go to Chelsea. So Moises Caicedo priority is joining Chelsea this summer. Brilliant, Fabrizio, as ever. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. We'll speak to you next week. Thank you, and see you soon. All right, ben and Jonathan, you've, you've both suggested there has to be a compromise somewhere along the line, but there are some strong characters here and there's quite a lot of principle involved and specifically an awful lot of money. So how would you come to a compromise in the Mbappe situation? Yeah, I think the first thing to say is that Mbappe 
is the key person in this because PSG may want to force him out, but it comes down to the player. He's contracted. And as JJ can no doubt go into a bit more detail on, there's French law protecting Mbappe. And it's very much on the worker side, if you like. So PSG have to be careful how they play it because it's one thing, the games of a transfer window. It's another thing with a preseason tour. But once we get into the season, the way that PSG handle their employee should he stay has to be within French law and they can and will only consider sporting elements when formulating their decision. What they can't do is just remove Mbappe from a Champions League squad because they feel irritated by the way that he's handled the situation. If the window shuts, PSG have to treat Mbappe as their own, as their employee, and they'll respect the French law. Otherwise, there can be consequences. So this pressure tactic or the games that are taking place at the moment are creating one dynamic and then there'll be a different dynamic should Mbappe still be at the football club when the window shuts. So I would say, JJ, the power dynamic at the moment is in PSG's favour because they're the ones that can make the move. They're the ones that have got the open window. They're the ones that have got pre-season where they can leave him in Paris whilst the rest of the senior squad head off to Asia. But the longer the window goes on, perhaps the more things will shift back in Mbappe's favour. And this is why PSG are looking to get offers on the table quickly in the hope that ultimately Mbappe has a decision to make. Does he stay at PSG and stick to that position and potentially not play and have a difficult year? Or does he decide to go? And that's where maybe there's appeal from Saudi Arabia because going to Saudi Arabia for one year is very different to going to Saudi Arabia on a long-term contract. Well, here, for example, Manchester United, Inter, even Barcelona and some other clubs, Tottenham, for example, are interested, but they're not going to want to take Mbappe at this number for one year, knowing that he's going to be off to a European rival in Real Madrid, whereas Saudi Arabia is more flexible and maybe Mbappe will be more flexible because that offer still allows him to go to Real Madrid and therefore it becomes a decision around go to Saudi, go to Real, or stay at PSG, don't play that much, go to Real. And maybe those are the only two options. But I feel like, JJ, at the moment, PSG have got the power. The longer it goes on, the more they'll start to worry about the window closing and about all those legal implications of how they treat Mbappe under French law, which they have to respect. Yeah, I think that's uh, absolutely right. I mean, it's interesting that even after just a couple of days with Mbappe being out of the the first team pitcher at PSG and training with the, the rest of those undesirable PSG players back in Paris, there's already uh, pressure from the French Players Union, the UNFP, uh, on PSG to, to reinstate Mbappe. It was also the case with Javier. It's been the case with some other players in the past as well, like Hatton Ben Arfa. So, you know, this certainly isn't sort of the first time that PSG would have been dealing uh, you know, with those kind of pressures, which is specific to to France, uh, you know, and also, you know, this whole situation really is being created by the fact that, you know, French contracts in footballing terms, notably with a view to minimum fee release clauses, which are not allowed to exist, uh, you know, via French law has kind of created, uh, you know, this uh, situation, because if it was quite, if it was as simple as PSG being able to write uh, a minimum fee release clause into Mbappe's contract to protect their investment, to protect their assets, uh, you know, and also to perhaps set it 
at a realistic level so that Real Madrid could have triggered it one day, they would have already done it. So, you know, the fact that that's always been off the table has meant that there's always going to be some sort of element of high stakes poker uh, with regards to, to Mbappe's future because they've known for a long, long time who the club uh, are that are most interested in Mbappe coming to take him off their hands. So I agree with you that the power is in PSG's hands now and it will probably shift more towards Mbappe the longer the transfer window of this uh, you know, latest installment of the saga goes on. But equally, uh, you know, I do think that Saudi Arabia, uh, you know, coming into the picture with Al-Hilal and this, you know, exorbitant offer, uh, you know, is a really interesting potential solution because even a few weeks ago, uh, you know, arguably before, uh, you know, Benzema, uh, Conte, you know, a lot of these big names started to move to Saudi Arabia. Nobody would really have taken that kind of option seriously. But suddenly with this massive influx of talent to Saudi Arabia, you know, you you wouldn't rule out Mbappe actually sort of potentially doing, say, 12 months there, being able to still make the move to Real Madrid in 2024, but getting out of a very tricky situation with PSG right now. Because realistically, you know, if you look at the potential ways for Mbappe and PSG to continue sort of beyond this transfer window, neither of them are particularly appealing because for Mbappe, that will either be one, uh, you know, sat out on the sidelines, occasionally brought back into the senior squad so that PSG don't incur the wrath of the UNFP for the entire season, but then, you know, not really playing a major role in any of the campaign. Uh, or, uh, you know, he has to extend his contract possibly just by one year so that he can be sold in 2024 uh, or even more long-term because there was, you know, sort of a theory sort of at the beginning of the transfer window as well, that Mbappe might have been angling for a long-term lucrative uh, contract extension because the expectation was that both Neymar and Lionel Messi would leave this summer. Obviously, we know Messi has already gone to Inter Miami, but Neymar at this moment in time under Luis Enrique, who won the Champions League with Barcelona, uh, you know, suddenly seems to be on the verge of being reintegrated and maybe will become uh, a major part of PSG's plans once more. So, you know, for Mbappe... There's no real sort of obvious and attractive way for for him and PSG to continue together until 2024, hence all of this uh, acrimony. So I do think that the pressure will get bigger and bigger the closer we get to the start of the season. Uh, you know, and also I think as well, public opinion, uh, you know, will start to count. There'll be people who are asking, you know, why is a player of Mbappe's ability, uh, you know, a key player both in club and country, because let's not forget he's France captain now as well. Uh, you know, they'll be asking sort of, is it really necessary for PSG to be sidelining him throughout this whole season, despite the fact that it would keep him fresher, arguably, ahead of the Euros and the Olympics. So I do think it's really interesting, the timing of the the Saudi offer. Uh, and also, it'll be interesting now that you've got this clear stance from PSG that they're not, you know, taking him back with them on tour and they're not planning with him, uh, at least for the first few weeks of Luis Enrique's time in charge. Uh, you know, if there are any bigger clubs to come forward and perhaps offer something a bit more interesting to Mbappe, uh, then maybe he feels the Saudi Arabia offer is at this moment in time. And JJ, just one thing to add, I suppose, on all of this is the rail component. All of these offers which are out there, not just the one that Al-Hilal have made, but inquiries from the other clubs, presumably as part of PSG's game to get Real Madrid to come now. So perhaps the PSG perspective is that there might not be that much trust between Mbappe and Real Madrid. You could argue they've got an agreement for 2024, but you could also look back to the saga when PSG signed Mbappe and Real Madrid felt 
let down, you could also look back to the contract extension at PSG and Real Madrid felt let down. So do you think PSG will play on the interest and the fact that maybe there's that tiny percentage of doubt from Real Madrid? Maybe Florentino Perez is worried that Mbappe won't keep his word if there is a so-called deal in place for 2024. And do you think PSG are using that to try and generate buzz? In the hope that Real come now with half what Saudi Arabia have offered. And that is probably a bid that PSG would also accept, in my opinion, anyway, this summer. Yeah, I mean, I certainly think there's a, a large element of uh, of logic in that because at the end of the day, PSG and Real are both in this you know same situation with Mbappe where they don't sort of really trust uh, you know his intentions uh, or sort of you know believe that he's going to keep his word. You know, PSG have already very publicly said that they feel extremely let down that Mbappe said publicly in the past that he wouldn't leave PSG on a free transfer, and yet he's now pushing to try and do exactly that. So, uh, you know, I do think that there would be an element of wariness or rails, apart from the examples that you mentioned in the past, but also sort of the, the the way that suddenly Mbappe has kind of brought them back to the negotiating table now, uh, you know, the moment that Karim Benzema has left Real Madrid and gone to, to Saudi Arabia. So, you know, I do think there will be wariness, but equally at the same time, I think there will also come a moment where Real Madrid, where Florentino Perez, you know, saying they look at the situation, you know, how many summer transfer windows are going to have to go by where they keep, you know, a significant amount of money to one side, at, you know, kind of like a rainy day fund, uh, you know, in order to, to try and bring Kylian Mbappe, the number one target for a number of years now, to Santiago Bernabeu. And, you know, maybe, uh, you know, there'll be no better time than now to get it done, make sure that he comes in. Uh, and not potentially pay sort of as much as they might have to if he, you know, were to stab them in the back again and sign a contract extension. Because whether or not, you know, Mbappe signed a contract extension of just one year, you know, ultimately actioned that option that he's rejected uh, or signed something even more long-term, you know, it would completely change the dynamic, the potential deal for Real Madrid because they haven't factored in at any point, uh, you know, paying a a transfer fee. Yes, the signing on fee for Mbappe Sect would be similar to, uh, you know, a major transfer fee, but it's not, uh, you know, the same as having to plan for a transfer fee and then a massive wage packet on top. So I do think that there will be a lot of wariness on Raoul's part. Um, you know, probably a, a growing sense of urgency to get some sort of clarity on the situation, especially now that this offer from Al Hilal is on the table. I think we need to look at the political sort of uh, analysis of this as well. Remember that we all know that. PSG are owned by the Qataris and the Saudis uh, could be they could be helping each other out here that actually the Saudis are, uh, are offering PSG some money and at the same time PSG um, get the player off their hands and Saudi get one of the best strikers in the world if not the hottest property in the world playing in their league and that's exactly what they want so when you look at the two sides of it and the cooling of uh, diplomatic tension that's happened in the last three or four years, then you see that actually now they have a better friendship and a better relationship between Qatar and Saudi. This this might be the perfect scenario for them both. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's the politics of years gone by that would have made this deal between effectively Qatar and Saudi Arabia near impossible. And now there is a mutual interest. And I think that off the back of Qatar hosting the World Cup where Saudi Arabia beat the world champions Argentina. We saw a lot of face-to-face time between 
senior executives in sport and in politics. And I would still say there's rivalry between the two countries and each have slightly different ambitions in sport. And maybe Qatar were ahead in terms of staging sports events, in terms of broadcast. And now clearly Saudi Arabia have not only catched up, but they might well surpass Qatar because there's that ambition to host the 2030 World Cup potentially. There's the Saudi Pro League, there's Live Golf, they're looking to invest in tennis. So Saudi Arabia are making moves and this is part of it, not only because it's in keeping with their sports strategy, but there's that financial muscle to have a long-term game and be patient. And I think, JJ, that had you said to the Saudi dealmakers specifically on this project, here's where they'd be, there would be surprise at how quickly it's moving. And if they cap things off with Mbappe, therefore, they'll be delighted. There's disappointment also because they've missed out on Lionel Messi. They've missed out on Sergio Busquets. But the volume of players coming in shows that the Saudi Pro League and the Saudi dealmakers and ultimately the Saudi government means business. So in a bizarre way, I don't know what your opinion is, but if you'd have told them you'll miss out on Messi, but you'll end up getting Mbappe to Al-Hilal instead, I think because Ronaldo's there at Al Nasser and Benzema's there at Al Itihad along with N'Golo Kante and others, they'll be relatively content with their summer because this is a building block that gives the league, especially if Mbappe joins, global appeal. This isn't just a few names and that was fun and that was expensive and it's gone. It very much feels like this Saudi project is here to stay and should Mbappe go even for a year, they're going to be able to use that as a building block to attract many others. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think with all due respect to the likes of Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, talking about Mbappe potentially playing in Saudi Arabia is, you know, that is a completely different level in terms of, uh, you know, relevance, uh, you know, to today. There is no more relevant footballer on the planet at this moment in time than Kylian Mbappe. And one last thing that I would add as well about the sort of political situation is, the situation has changed for PSG. Their Qatari owners no longer have to think ahead to the World Cup. You know, that happened last season. Now that's in the past. So that desperation to keep hold of Mbappe and to have Mbappe and Messi and Neymar together at the same time at the same club, you know, we know that it had disastrous consequences for PSG's season, but there's now no longer that sort of pressure to have them under contract with PSG leading into the World Cup as there was, uh, you know, when the renewal was made with uh, Mbappe. Well, thanks, Jonathan. I'm now delighted to say that the former England international and now the very busy pundit, Leanne Sanderson, has joined us on the deep. Leanne, great to have you with us. Hi, Angus. Great to see you all. Thanks for having me. It's lovely to have you. Uh, look, you were a, a player who regularly changed clubs. Um, you were the original person who I think they said you got more clubs than Jack Nicholas. Uh, but where do you side with the Mbappe PSG you know, it's funny, Angus, I'd like to think, I was at Arsenal for 12 years, I have you know, right? And it wasn't until I moved to America that the trade-in, the expansion, it's completely different. And then there was leagues folding. So yeah, I'm glad that I played for so many different clubs, but I'm glad I spent 12 years at Arsenal. But um, when it comes to contract negotiations and when you've had situations where you want to leave a club, I think the Kylian Mbappe stuff has been going on for too long. And I think I'm surprised he's been there. I mean, it was about two years ago when he kind of said he wanted to go to Real Madrid. And then that didn't happen. And I think right now it's kind of got to a point where it's there's no way you can keep a player at a club that doesn't want to be there. We've seen that over the years, many, many times, even going back to all the way when Thierry Henry wanted to leave 
Arsenal for Barcelona. Cristiano said he wanted to leave in his first tenure at Manchester United. He stayed another year. So I think it's inevitable he will leave. And I think the longer it goes on, it's going to cause more problems for PSG. And going back to when they had everybody there with Neymar, Mbappe, you know, and Messi, I was probably one of the only people that said they weren't going to win the Champions League. Because when everybody was saying, oh, they're going to win the Champions League, they're going to do this. And I was like, it doesn't always work like that. Sounds cliche, but not always the best players make the best teams. You have to have that balance. And I think at PSG, they've just never really had that balance. Leanne, I think what makes it interesting is you said when a player wants to leave the club, it's inevitable. But what's unique here is that Mbappe said all along he doesn't want to leave PSG and it's PSG who want him to leave. Do you think that changes anything? Because obviously, if Mbappe sticks to his word, he still wants to do 12 months at PSG and then leave on a free. And obviously, PSG don't want that scenario because if they allow it, then they won't get any money for him. Yeah, the thing is with this type of stuff is that it's hard to know what the truth actually is because it's almost like the players always going to say they want to stay. The ownership are going to always say they want them to stay as well. But we know money talks in the end. And, you know, we've seen the bid today from Saudi. It's 240 million almost, it seems. I mean, that is absolutely ludicrous. So it doesn't matter how much money NASA has. Money's money at the end of the day. Money always talks. So I just think having that type of unharmony with a player within a club eventually and we've seen you know it's pretty obvious Messi and Neymar haven't been happy at PSG so and Mbappé always seems like he wants to be the main player but ultimately winning is winning and you want to win things so it'll be interesting to see but I just don't think you can keep players that don't want to be there and I, I genuinely don't know what the truth is at this point because he said he wants to stay they're saying they don't want to let him go for free and realistically we've seen that happen a lot we see happen with Harry Kane right now you know he could go on free from Tottenham next year but Daniel Levy saying, you know, in other words, we know what Daniel Levy's like as a businessman. He's not going to let Harry Kane go for a free. So we can still see Harry Kane move to, to Bayern Munich. I'm hoping he still comes to Manchester United. I'm still holding out. <laughs> <laughs> dream on, dream on, Leanne. Um, look, there, there are, they're not the only disputes that are around Kane and Mbappe everywhere. Look, let's turn our attention to the Women's World Cup. The England women's side still hasn't settled its dispute with the FA. It's just put it on hold. Um, the French side, they were in disarray before the tournament started. They effectively got the coach sacked. Um, going back to the England um, situation, how, how manageable do you think that is that they've just put it on hold for the tournament and, and they still feel they're not being looked up? Yeah, I think it's important that we look at the French national team and English national team completely differently because Serena Bigman, the players love her. With the Ankara, there was ongoing problems for years with that French team. You know, Armandine Henri stated that she wasn't going to play Wendy Renard. And these are top, top players that have said they're not going to play as long as that manager is there. So I'm glad that Herb Renard's come in. I think it's going to take a little while for him to be able to kind of put out, you know, obviously against Jamaica. It was a tie. Nobody expected that. But I think the French team will start to progress soon. I don't know how well they're going to do at this tournament based upon him only being in there a few months. But I think with the English national team, one thing that makes me happy, Angus, is that finally, you know, the players feel empowered to have a voice because when I played there, it was almost like we wasn't allowed to have a voice. And I think that comes from leadership. I think that comes from Serena Vigman backing the players. And, you know, you've only got to look at Mary up speaking out two days before the opening game about them not selling her jersey, which is absolutely ludicrous. And I'm glad the players are speaking out. I don't think it'll be a distraction. That's a question I've been asked quite a lot. But this has been going on for a long time, right? And the women's last, US, US women's national team just this year got their collective bargaining agreement agreed. It's been going on for about 10 years. So hopefully, for equal pay. 
hopefully it won't take that long for them to come to that type of agreement. But I think it's something that has to happen. And no one's saying pay us the same as the men. Nobody's asking, well, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Maybe I'll come out of retirement. <laughs> but no one's asking. No one's asking for that. We're just asking for what we deserve. Equal pay, bonuses, those types of things. If you're playing in stadiums that are sold out and you're selling merchandise like the Lionesses are, and play, people are buying the shirts now based upon the players and the visibility, why don't they deserve to get that? So I'm glad that the players have finally spoken out. I think it's important that everybody sticks together because speaking from my own experience, when you divide and conquer it, it's not the best thing. I still stand by what I did, but I think it would have been helpful if we'd have had other people that st stood with us when we went through everything. So, you know, I'm glad that now the players finally got a voice and they're using their platform for the better and the greater good. Leanne, fantastic to hear you talking about the, the managerial change within the French women's national team heading into this World Cup. Uh, it's it's been fascinating following the build-up for that squad because they've been battling loads of problems, not just the, the acrimonious departure of Corinne Diak and the arrival of Herbe Hanel. You've got some star players as well who've missed out through injury. And when you look at them on the pitch, it was a very disappointing opening game and opening result against Jamaica with all due respect to, to Jamaica. I think everybody expected that the French would you know, sort of walk to victory in that opening game, especially given their record in terms of opening you know, big international tournaments like the World Cups. Do you feel that there's still some problems surrounding that squad, that group of players, and we're seeing that on the pitch at this moment in time? Because Granada is known as a sort of a, a, a you know, a, a specialist in terms of dealing with the different personalities and big characters and being a real motivator. Yet it seems like he's really struggling to sort of stamp his his mark on this squad for this moment in time, and that perhaps speaks to a bigger collective problem than the individual quality, which we all know the French team has. Yeah, and I think what we're seeing is a bit of a hangover from that situation from Diancre. You know, these things don't just happen overnight. I think with Renard coming from the men's game, sometimes, you know, if you start to do similarly to what Philip Neville did, and I was a big fan of his when he got the job at England because I'm Man United and he's ex-Man United, didn't quite work out with regards to trying to manage the players the same way. With this Renard situation, I feel like he's going to need a little bit more time I don't sense, at the end of the day, the players are definitely happier without the Ankara being there, but it's going to take a while for that to really be showing on the field of play. And I think what we're seeing during this World Cup anyway, look at Haiti against England. There's a lot of teams that nobody's expecting to win so comfortably. I mean, against Haiti, people thought it was going to be double figures. Vietnam versus USA was only 3-0. And it makes me happy because there still are people that are sceptical of the women's game with all these high scoring lines. If it happens in the men's game, no one talks about it. So I think this French team will start to see, maybe it's a bit too soon the World Cup's come for them, but they've had Amandine Henri get injured before the tournament. Frankly, Wendy Renard is actually there. But I still think this French team, we saw in the Euros, even when Diancre was still there, they got to the semi-final. So they still have it in them and they still have the quality. And I'm, I've no doubt that we'll start to see after the first game, once those nerves are out of the way, we'll then start to maybe make a better decision and I can an analyse it a bit better after the first game because the Lionesses wasn't good enough either. There's been a lot of teams, you know, Norway against New Zealand. Norway lost 1-0. No one saw that coming. So I think after the first game, then you can kind of get an idea of exactly where the team's at. But I think the players are definitely happier with Renard in there. Yeah, you, do, you don't have to win your first game, do you? You don't have to perform best in your, in your first game. It's about about building in a tournament as, as we've seen all the way through. Look at look at in the men's game, you know, Argentina losing to Saudi Arabia and still going on to, to win the tournament. So, um, just before we finish on the, the Women's uh, World Cup, uh, Leanne, uh, you, who do you feel might end up winning that one? 
Do you know what? Because I lived in America for 12 years and I've seen exactly how they are, I'm going with the US Women's National Team, you know, it'll be their third successive World Cup win if they were to win it. I said Australia, based upon them being one of the host nations, I think we saw at the Euros with England hosting it, how important and how impactful that could be having the home field, home fans on your side. But I think there could be some teams that could go further than people expect. You know, you can never write off a team like Canada, although their first game was pretty underwhelming against Nigeria. I still think, but overall, I think the US Women's National Team, and I just think they're enabled, they're allowed to be themselves, they're like rock stars. You know, Alex Morgan's got a massive statue, like the Statue of Liberty in Times Square. And they just want, they just know the success from this team. So can't write off England, but I think with regards to all of England's injuries, I think it showed the other day for the first time how impactful Leah Williamson, Beth Mead and Frank Kirby not being there is. I was pretty much like, we'll be okay still. Didn't look like that the other day. So overall, US Women's National Team. And whether, you know, then you can question whether that's good or not for the game. I, I Let's let's come back to, to Mbappe. And I wonder, you know, Jonathan, where do you think he will start next season? Do you think he'll be in Saudi? Do you think he'll be sitting on a bench or a beach somewhere? Or do you think he'd be lining up for PSG? You know, it's really interesting because up until recently, I've said that I still think uh, the most logical place for him to sign off will be still playing for PSG after the Olympic Games in 2024. But, uh, you know, this is sort of the first time that I've entered into sort of doubting myself territory. And, uh, you know, for the first time, I think I'm starting to believe now that Mbappe might not, uh, you know, remain with PSG next season, that we could see him elsewhere. I'm just not convinced that we'll see him in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, Ben, for you, is it unlikely? Does it, does it seem, uh, you know, it fits and it might suit PSG and it might suit Saudi Arabia, but ultimately it doesn't suit Kylian Mbappe? Well, I think Kylian Mbappe will also not feel that it suits him to stay at PSG and not play. So we're going to have to work out whether once the window shuts, PSG's position with Mbappe is the same if he's still there. Because right now the pressure tactic is saying, if you stay, you're not going to get that much game time. But there is some French law that protects Mbappe as an employee. So there's what PSG are doing now versus how Mbappe may think things will play out if he stays. And then, of course, remember, we've also got the January window as well. So there's a few moving components here. I think that the Saudi offer would only be tempting if... Mbappe genuinely believes that PSG are not going to engage with the player if he stays at the football club and therefore are going to leave him in limbo for a year, which is not ideal with the Euros and the Olympics. And then I think that Mbappe would only engage with Saudi Arabia if the money's too good to turn down, which it is. And he still has that opportunity, which we believe is the case to go to Real Madrid in a year's time, because then Mbappe can have his cake and eat it. He can try Saudi Arabia without any real risk for one season, pocket the money and still end up at Real Madrid. So it could be quite tempting, but I think the underrated point in all of this is just that Real Madrid could still come for Mbappe at a much lower number this summer. They could be provoked by all of the other interest to place a bid that is far less than Saudi Arabia that I still think PSG will accept. So I wouldn't rule out the possibility of Real Madrid being baited into either moving now or in January to pay something for Mbappe because of all of this other interest. And this is where the trust is key between Mbappe and Real Madrid, because right now PSG believe there's an agreement between Real and Mbappe for next summer. However, Mbappe may 
use the leverage of the Saudi bid to get more out of Real Madrid or to change the terms in some way. And this is what PSG are going to be able to play on. Because if you're Mbappe, you're not just to turn down Saudi Arabia at this level of money. You're absolutely crazy to turn it down out of hand and say, I'm not speaking to you. I'm not engaging with you. I'm not listening to you. I think like all of us, if that kind of money was on the table, you would at least hold a conversation because you might be able to use it for something else. So my feeling is that PSG will do everything in their power to sell Mbappe. They'll use the Saudi leverage. And it wouldn't surprise me if Real Madrid come with a much smaller offer this summer to see what's possible. There is also one potentially interesting scenario that could come from all of this. And that is that in this preseason, you've currently got Neymar in Japan and South Korea with PSG. Nobody knows what state he's going to be post-surgery just yet. And his ability to get back on the field is one of the things that's holding back a number of clubs from potentially looking into his situation with PSG. Now, PSG's situation hasn't changed regardless of Mbappe. They won't consider selling both in the same summer. But if an offer was to come in for Neymar before Mbappe, suddenly that might change. And, you know, if uh, Mbappe was to indicate that he doesn't really take the Al Hilal option that seriously, but Neymar's back on the field and looking in good shape by that point, perhaps, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia come back in and make an offer to Neymar, which he might be willing to accept. And should that happen, suddenly I think that opens the door both financially and in terms of the way the project looks for it to be absolutely 100% Kylian Mbappe's uh, project with PSG. And that could open the door to a potential contract extension. And that, I think, would probably be the end of Real Madrid's interest in and if he even considered that possibility. Well, we're coming to the end of July. We've still got a few more weeks to discuss where Kylian Mbappe will be uh, going into the beginning of next season. So, well, that is your... Football debrief. Uh, many thanks to our guests this week, Jonathan Johnson and Leanne Sanderson. Leanne, you're off to your sister's baby shower now, and I don't want to hold you up. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> thanks for having me. It's been a delight to have you on. Uh, you're a superstar. You're massively busy at the moment, and I appreciate just giving us a little bit of your time. Really enjoy the World Cup. And um, back to the States after this, is that right? Yeah, back to America um, with CBS and Paramount for the NWSL in America. So, yeah. All systems go. But you know me, Angus, I don't know. Brilliant. Still, so, all good. <laughs> you don't. I've I've appreciated that sitting beside you. Uh, great to have you. Thank you very much indeed. And as always, our thanks to Fabrizio Romano for dropping in. Remember, he'll be here every week giving us his spin on all the big transfer dealings around the world. You can find us on Fab Substack, on YouTube, and all your usual podcast platforms. Ben, thanks ever for your company this week. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week.